As you know, uh, in the administrative change in our nation, the changing land of politics, which is part of the history of our nation, there are various uh, infrastructure projects that are projected every, every time somebody becomes president. Uh, president Trump wanted to build a wall. Uh, the new president uh, wants a Green New Deal and uh, to build some infrastructure across, that means roads and bridges across America. They, they've been doing that uh, for generations. Let me give you an example. Back in 1863, they began building what was then called the Pacific Railroad, the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, and it was an effort to connect uh, the east and west coast of what then was still not uh, completely the United States, but the territories across which people traveled. And so uh, the, the project got its start. When they nailed the first spike, got ready to lay the first rail and nail the first spike, they wanted to have a celebration. So they gathered a group of people together, a group of dignitaries. Well, one of the dignitaries that they wanted to come was Collis Huntington, who was a major West Coast investor in the project. But he refused. And uh, this is what he said. If you want to celebrate over driving the first spike, go ahead and do it. Those mountains over there look too ugly. We may fail. And if we do, I want to have as few people know it as we can. Anybody can drive the first spike, but there are months of labor and unrest between the first uh, spike and the last one. There were a lot of rails to lay. There were a lot of rivers to cross, and there were a lot of mountains to bore through or climb. When the construction of the railroad was finally finished in May of 1869, uh, the final spike, a golden spike, was uh, driven in place, and two locomotives, one coming from the west and one coming from the east, met and touched one another. And when they did, when they drove that last spike, a telegram was sent to the then President of the United States. His name was Ulysses S. Grant, and they said, Sir, we have the honor to report that the last, the last rail is laid and the last spike is driven. The Pacific Railroad is finished. Well, I want to take that railroad terminology this morning, and I want to talk to you about the Christian life. And I want to challenge you to make sure that in your life, the last rail is laid and the last spike is driven. I look out at some of you and you're very young and, and you're Christians, but you're only beginning to lay rails and drive spikes in your journey uh, of the Christian life. And you've driven only a few. Others of you, I can see you've, you've driven a few more than others. You, you, you've got a few years on you and, and, and your journey's been long and some, sometimes you can grow weary in that journey. So much so that you stop laying rails and you stop driving spikes. The work is unfinished. The Christian life is a, is a long journey. There are many years between the time you drive the first spike in your journey of following Christ and lay that first rail and you drive that golden spike at the end of your journey. And nobody who's here today is going to 
drive that golden spike. Nobody can say, I'm through in my journey of following God. But this morning, I want to call your attention to a man who embodies what we're talking about, and his name was Caleb. And we find his story in the Old Testament book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 14. We're going to read two verses out of his life. Remember now, at this point in his life, Caleb is 40 years old. He's 40. And this is the Lord's testimony about how he had lived his life up to this point. Let me give you some setting for this. Joshua had chosen 12 spies and sent them to look at the promised land. Caleb and Joshua were two of the 12. When they returned, 10 of the 12 saw no promise in the promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua saw anything good about the land where the Lord had sent them, and they came back with a good report. So this is what the Lord said about the other 10 and about Caleb in particular. Verse 22, Surely the men who have seen my glory and my signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not listened to my voice shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. So I want you to see that phrase that the Lord used about Caleb's life. He said, he has followed me fully. And here's the title of the message today, Have You Followed the Lord Fully? And I want to share with you what that means, what that looks like to follow the Lord fully. Remember what Collis Huntington said about laying the first spike of the Transcontinental Railroad. He saw it as nothing to celebrate, saying, anybody can lay the first rail and drive the first spike. He wanted no part of that group, but he wanted to be a part of those who completed the journey. So what does it mean to follow the Lord fully? Number one, it means answering the call of God without looking back. It means to live in complete disregard of the difficulties, our dangers, our challenges along the way. Caleb observed those challenges. He saw the giants in the, in the promised land like the other ten saw the giants. He saw all the obstacles, but he also knew the Lord would create opportunities for them if they walked forward by faith. You'll remember also that when Jesus called his first disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, that they followed him without looking back. They left their nets and followed Jesus. In the Old Testament, there's another character named Elisha who was called to follow God. And when he did, he was a farmer and he took his plows and he burned them and he sacrificed his oxen and he followed the Lord without looking back. The Bible says of Moses, who was also called by God, that he despised the treasures of Egypt, choosing rather to follow the Lord. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Caleb didn't look back. 
He followed the Lord fully. Are you following the Lord fully and faithfully? Are you continuing to lay rails and drive spikes in your journey of following God? Second, following the Lord fully means believing the promises of God even in the face of great challenges. One of the unique things that God says about Caleb in this passage of Scripture in Numbers is that Caleb had a different spirit. There was something about Caleb that made him stand out from other, the other men of his day. So I would ask you, do you have that kind of different spirit that distinguished Caleb? Caleb was able to see things differently than other men saw them and hear things differently than other men saw them. He was able to look through the eyes of faith. If you remember in the story of Daniel in the Old Testament, one of the things that the pagan people in Daniel's day noticed about Daniel was that he had an extraordinary spirit. That's what they said about him. Some translations call it an excellent spirit. And those who knew him said that in him and through him was a spirit of the holy gods. So do you have an extraordinary spirit like Daniel did and Caleb did that enables you to see the problems of life and the challenges of life and the problems of your church differently than those of other men? Paul once cautioned Timothy about having the right kind of spirit. Timothy was a little timid, and so he said, Timothy, you don't need to have a spirit of fear but rather you need to have a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of discipline, or a spirit of a sound mind. Such was the spirit of Caleb. Caleb was a man who believed God in the face of every difficulty. He believed that God was able in every situation. He believed that nothing was too hard for God, and under no set of circumstances would Caleb relinquish his faith in God. When the going got tough, Caleb got going. He followed the Lord fully. So what does it mean to follow the Lord fully? Number three, it means laying the rails. In other words, living a life of obedience from one day to the next until the journey is finished. I told uh, the middle service today that when the hurricane came through, and uh, I went outside the next morning and I looked at all the trees that were down in my yard and all the limbs and all the shingles off my house that were in my yard, I, you know, your heart just sort of sinks in a situation like that. And what do you do? Where do you start? Do you just give up? Do you throw up your, you want to, that's the initial thing that sometimes we want to do. We look at a situation like that and, and our heart just sinks and we want to give up. So what I did was I, I said, okay, I can get my wheelbarrow and I can pick up shingles. So that's where I started. I just picked up one shingle picked up another, and I started picking up. And after I got started picking up shingles, you know, I, I, I began to feel a little better. Picked up a few shingles and a few pine branches and swept my driveway, even though it was all still a mess. It just made me feel better to do something. Well, in the Christian life, it's necessary sometimes that you just lay today's rail. I believe it was Oswald Chambers who said, if you want to live a holy life, you've got to live a holy minute. You've got to be obedient in the minute in which you live. You've got to be, be obedient today. You've got to do what God wants you to do today to get to the end of the journey. Eugene Peterson 
who is best known for his work on the translation, The Message, gives this definition of discipleship. He says, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. So remember, Caleb was 40 years old when God observed his life and said, he has followed me fully. But that was before they ever went into the wilderness. There were 40 plus more years of difficulty and danger ahead of Caleb, more rivers for them to cross, more valleys for them to pass through, more battles to fight, more temptations to be resisted, rails to lay, and spikes to drive. And through it all, Caleb followed the Lord faithfully. It takes everyday faithfulness in the Christian life, just doing what God wants you to do today. You don't know about tomorrow. You can't project yourself into the future. Jesus said, I want you to be faithful in the little thing where I have placed you. I want you to do what I've called you to do. The next thing is, is, is his business. We consider the life of a man like Billy Graham. We can look back now on his life and we see his journey, how he followed the Lord faithfully as a young evangelist when he first got started. And then the Lord opened the door for him to become an advisor to presidents. Now, Billy Graham was not always perfect in that. The first president that Billy Graham and his guys ever talked to was Harry Truman. They went to see Harry Truman dressed in their white suits. And then when they came out of talking with Harry Truman, they posed for reporters, and reporters quizzed them about what they had talked to the president about, and it made Harry Truman very mad. They learned their lesson. You're not, and in those days, you didn't come out of the White House and tell other people what you had talked with the president about. It's not like it is today. But Billy Graham was a faithful advisor to presidents. He was a faithful leader of the evangelical world. He laid rails and he drove spikes until he drove that last golden spike. And he ended his journey. And he was a man who also followed the Lord fully. So are you driving spikes and laying rails in your journey of following God? Will you continue to follow him until the last rail is laid and the last spike is driven? This leads me to the fourth characteristic of what it means to follow God, and that is that it means growing deeper and stronger as you grow older, because that's exactly what Caleb did. If you open your Bible to the 14th chapter of Joshua, and we look in that chapter beginning in verse 6, we find that 45 years will have passed between the time that the Lord said, Caleb has followed me fully, and the moment in which Caleb is speaking to Joshua. By this time, they've experienced 40 years in the wilderness. They have fought the battle of Jericho. They have crossed the Jordan by faith. They have conquered or beginning to conquer the promised land. And Caleb claims part of it as his own. He says, give me Hebron. And the Lord and Moses said, let's give him Hebron because Caleb has followed the Lord fully. And Caleb says, you need to give it to me because you remember the Lord said, I followed him fully. And Joshua said on that day, yes, he's going to get Hebron because he followed the Lord fully. Here's the testimony of Caleb's own heart. I followed the Lord fully. The testimony of the Lord, he followed me fully. The testimony of Moses, he followed me fully. And Joshua, who knew him every day, who lived with him every day for all those years, said, here is a man who has followed 
the Lord fully. He grew deeper and stronger as he grew older. Now, some of you are young, and I've seen young people drive that first bike and, and hit the road for God with great enthusiasm, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. But there are a lot of dangers ahead, a lot of difficulties ahead, a lot of demons ahead that you're going to have to face in your life. So it's good also to look at those folks who have a little gray hair, who've made that journey, who are making that journey still, and walk close with them so that they can help you follow the Lord fully. So following the Lord fully means, we'll review, following God without looking back, believing the promises of God in the face of great challenges and also weathering the storms of doubt. Following the Lord fully means laying the rails, living a life of long obedience in the same direction just every day. And following the Lord fully means growing deeper and stronger as you grow older. And that's not going to happen unless you keep laying the rails, unless you keep driving the spikes. And so finally, it means making a daily commitment to finish the journey. In 2012, I was part of uh, a mission organization, international mission organization called Romanian American Mission. I served as on the board and the chairman of the board of that mission organization. Uh, and uh, I was in Brandon, Mississippi for a meeting uh, of that organization for a board meeting. And I was in the lobby of the motel the night before the meeting talking with Dr. Bob Jackson, who was the president of Romanian American Mission. I was talking to him. He was sort of a mentor for me in my spiritual life. I always wanted to be like Bob Jackson. He had a different spirit. Bob Jackson, I saw, was continually laying the rails and driving the spikes in his journey of following God. He was a visionary leader, and that night he talked with me about the vision that he would present at the Romanian American Mission. The next day I talked with him a little bit about my discouragement in my own Christian life and my discouragement in my journey as a pastor, and, and he encouraged me. And one of the things he said to me that night was really odd. He said, when the Lord lifts the mantle of leadership, you know it's time to move on. And he was talking to me about being the pastor of a church and really knowing when it was time to leave and, and when it wasn't. But I've always remembered what he said. When the Lord lifts the mantle of leadership, it's time to move on. The meeting was the next morning at the Brandon Baptist Church in Brandon, Mississippi. Bob brought his satchel in with his little rolling satchel with his vision for Romanian American Mission and, and what would be the next step. And as Bob walked in the door to go to the meeting, he fell dead in the floor. He had laid his last rail and driven his last spike in a room where there were a handful of people. His son was supposed to be at that meeting. He was driving and on the way, and they called him, and he just turned around and went back to go tell his mom. You know, as you follow the Lord in your journey of daily obedience, there may not be a big group of people around you to celebrate the driving of the last spike of the Christian life, finishing the journey. You may be on the mission field somewhere all alone, a missionary out way away from your family. You may be in a hospital room somewhere and you may die. In these COVID days, you could die all alone without even your family with you. 
But one thing for sure, if you've been faithful in following the Lord, when you drive that last spike and lay that last rail, the Lord will be there to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, some of you are on the front end. You're just starting, being who God wants you to be. Don't quit. Don't quit. Let me share with you, in 2009, one more personal story. I had uh, been on a three-year discipleship journey with 15 other men. Two years we were together. The last year of our journey, we were going to make that journey alone. It was each of us individually doing what we had been called to do. But in our last meeting together, we had a a two-week seminar where uh, our leader of that particular seminar led us to really bear our hearts to one another, and we poured out some hurts that we had that had just been some of them personal, some of them ministry-oriented, but we, we poured out our hearts to one another that day. And as that day concluded, because he had seen many men give up in their journey of ministry and sometimes in their journey of life, sometimes because of discouragement, sometimes because of spiritual failure, he asked us to make a commitment to finish the journey. And we made a commitment together there that day as 15 men, a commitment to continue being what God wanted us to be, not only for the next year of our journey, but for the remainder of our ministry. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you that little, it's just a little short paragraph, really, of things that he asked us to commit to. I would ask you to commit to those same things this morning. And he asked us to say these things together. This is my time. I am the watchman on the wall. I will not give up or give in. My family is watching. My Lord is calling. I will not quit. I wonder if you think about that this morning in your journey of following God. Perhaps you're discouraged. Perhaps you're weary. Perhaps you're not even sure if you want to drive another spike or lay another rail. I remind you, there are great responsibilities that you have. You may not be a pastor. You may say, well, I'm only a dad. I'm just a dad. I'm just a husband. But I want to tell you that's one of the greatest responsibilities one of the greatest gifts that God could ever give a man. Remember, this is your time. You are the watchman on the wall. You must not give up or give in. Your family is watching. The Lord is calling. Don't quit. Let's pray.